Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. We're so glad you joined us today. It's our prayer that this message is a blessing and encouragement to your life. For a list of messages, to stream live services, and for updates about events and more info, visit lifechurchroa.org. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here's this week's message. How many of you are excited to get into the Word of God today? Amen. Yeah, come on, let's do it. We are uh, at the end of a series called Go Be Church. Somebody say, Go Be Church. Look at your neighbor and say, Go Be Church. We've been talking about convictions that uh, the church has to have, must live by, if we're gonna go out into the world and be the church. Now, those convictions that we have been talking about uh, include... Right, you ready for this? If you haven't been here in a while, uh, you can go back and watch these on uh, YouTube or on our website, lifechurchroa.org. All right, so the series has been called Go Be Church, but we've talked about capturing kingdom heart. We've talked about creating kingdom excellence. We've talked about carrying kingdom value. Everybody has value, including you and me. Somebody say, I matter. Some, some, y'all need to say it with more authority. Jesus says you matter, okay? So you need to say, say I, I matter. Come on, there you go. Now you're awake. Now you're at it. You matter. You carry value. Did you know that? Jesus wouldn't have went to the cross for you if you didn't carry value, right? He would have went down and got, thank you so much. Those aren't mine. Uh, he wouldn't have went to the cross for you if you didn't carry value. He wouldn't have went and got the keys to hell if you didn't matter. You matter. You carry value. We cast kingdom vision. We're all cast in a role that God has placed us in. Okay? And it's purposeful. If we're going to go be church, we've got to play the part. We've got to do what he's called us to do. And we have to cast that kingdom vision. We have to coach kingdom replication. There are people watching you and me. There are people coming up after us that we want to disciple, that we want to help grow. We've got a clear kingdom change. We talked about that last week. That is holding things with our palms open and allowing them to do what they're supposed to do. Nobody gets mad when a seed turns into a plant. But let something that was planted in the 80s become something new now. And we got a problem. We have to clear kingdom change. We have to be willing to allow God to change and do what he wants to do in and among his people. And today, we're going to finish out this series with my favorite one of these. Okay? We've got to live them all out. But this is the one that is the most convicting to me because conviction is a gift. Say that with me. Conviction is a gift. And it's simply this. We have to choose kingdom trust. What does that mean? It means that we see the best in people and in each other, even when they're showing us the worst. Now, this is hard, okay? This is tough because this is a real gift from God that, that, that we all have. We all have the ability to do, but it's, a little, it's difficult. It's hard for us to see the best in someone when they're showing us their worst, Okay? It's hard for us to, to trust someone when they've broken that trust. Now, I want to I give a quick disclaimer here because I'm going to talk about this today. And I don't, when I, what I'm not talking about is when 
they hurt you physically, right? I'm not saying go back and let them beat you up. Okay, I want you to hear this today. When you hear what I'm not saying, I'm talking about when you have an issue with somebody, right? Maybe they've said something that's hurt you. Maybe they, maybe they have, maybe they've, they've done you wrong, okay? Maybe you've heard that they have something to say about you and you're just kind of like, oh, I don't want to hang out with those people. I don't want nothing to do with them. They're, they're this or they're that, okay? I'm not talking about situations where you can be hurt. I'm talking about like physically hurt. I'm talking about situations where we are called to forgive, okay? And we choose not to because it's easier not to, right? You ever pulled away from somebody and now it's just easier not to talk about what happened? Somebody said something that a family member said something that rubbed you the wrong way and now it's just easier not to go to family reunions? I'm talking about choosing a kingdom trust, choosing to see the best in people even when they've shown you their worst. It doesn't mean that you let them run over top of you. It means that you see them the way God sees them. Okay, so when we get into this, I want you to understand that. I want you to understand what we're talking about today. And I want there to be any misunderstandings about that. From an illustration standpoint, I want to ask you this. Anybody in the room say they would say I'm an artist? Yeah, to a few of you. Yeah, okay. Here's the thing. At some point, right, if you go into a room with little kids and you say, who's an artist? They all raise their hand. Okay? And then at some point in our lives, we come to this place where we decide, I'm not good at this anymore. Okay? Like, I can't, I, I'm not an artist. I can't do this. I can't do that. I, I, they're an artist. They can paint. They're an artist. They can sing or play an instrument. But every kid believes they are, they are right? I mean, I'm not, I'm, listen, I'm not going to look at anybody. I'm not going to point any fingers. I'm just going to say it. All of us have hung that thing on the refrigerator that our kids brought us that we would not hang on the refrigerator if it wasn't our kid. Come on. Am I telling the truth or not? Okay, I'm just making sure you're awake, right? Mommy, look at what I did. There's a couple lines on a piece of paper, and you're going to hang it on the fridge. Oh, it's so beautiful, honey. Right. Here's the thing about artists. Artists can see something, can see something transition and change into something in their mind. They have a picture of what they want something to be. And so not too long ago, I had the privilege of having lunch with an artist. Okay, uh, Many of you have met this artist. And uh, they, uh, she's been coming to the church here. Her and her husband have been coming to the church here for a while now. They've taken membership. They're a part of our body. They're a part of our family. You've seen her singing on stage. You've seen all kinds of cool stuff. But as she was talking, she started talking about how she could look at a piece of furniture and it just speaks to her, right? Like it gets, she sees it, okay? And I'm like, I see it going to Goodwill, okay? Like, that's what I see. My, my artistry ends at, I no longer have a use for it. Goodwill has a better place for it than me. Okay? And she's telling me about, and I'm going, I'm going to tell you her name, and I'll let her in just a minute. Some of you already know because you've talked to her. I, she's telling me about how she can, and I'm impressed. Like, I'm not, this isn't a bad thing. I'm impressed by this because I can't do that. I can't look at an old dresser and see something amazing. It's an old dresser to me. 
right? But artists see all kinds of things. They see all kinds of things that it could be. I can't even name the things that they see because I don't have that kind of mind. I gotta get, anybody gotta go to Pinterest to be an artist? I gotta go to Pinterest to be an artist, okay? And I, gotta, I just gotta, I gotta grab somebody else's ideas, all right? But Alyssa Park, this girl can look at something that means absolutely nothing to me. And she can see something amazing. She can see the good in an old dresser that's been through six kids. Not my six kids, because I don't have six. But my nieces, amen, come on. That'll preach all day long. But my nieces and nephews, and then it came to us. And she's telling me about this at lunch. At lunch, and I'm like, I've got two dressers that you need to come look at. They're sitting on my porch ready to go to Goodwill. You need to come look at them. I got one in my garage too. You tell me which ones you want. I'll deliver them to your house. I'll load them on the trailer. I'll drive them to your house. I'll carry them in your house or anywhere you want me to. Because I just want rid of them. But she sees something different. So she came to the house, she took a look at them, and she's like, I can do something with these two. I can do something with these two. And I'm like, I'm glad you see something because I don't. She can look at it and see a beauty in it that I can't see. She can look at it and see something that I can't see. In fact, I'm going to show you some of her pieces, okay? I'm going to show you some of the things that she has saw something in that I'm not sure I would see anything in. Let's go. All right, a desk, right? That's what anybody, anybody else see anything other than a desk? Maybe a vanity? Maybe? Okay. It's supposed to be a vanity. I don't even see what it really is. It's a desk to me. I'm going to put a chair up under it. I'm going to be like, yeah, I can work here. All right. Go ahead and go to the next couple of slides. Yeah, keep going. Oh, oh, she broke it apart. Y'all know you could do that? Keep going. Y'all know what that's about to be? A bed. That's about to be a bed. I didn't see no bed. You tell me that you can look at of an old vanity that pastor says is a desk and see something different and beautiful in it. See something new and beautiful. Not just recycle, but upcycle it, right? Make something great out of it. Go to the next one. Check this thing out. That's a cool piece. It looks good enough to me. I wouldn't do anything to it. You come in my house, that's the color it would be. That's what it would look like. And I'd never be able to change it because I can't see it. Okay, I want you to go here with me. This thing has a different story than that, though. Look at it. How many of you guys would be like, yeah, that can sit in my house? Yeah, all kinds of people, right? That can sit in my house. Look at that thing. It's beautiful. All right, keep going. This. What are you going to do with that? I know what I would do with it. I would write notes to my kids and be like, check your mailbox. <laughs> right? I'd be like, check your mailbox. You got six of them. Good luck. Okay. It's a table for a record player. Y'all, that's not a huge change, but I don't, I couldn't see it. I just keep going. We got, we got some more stuff. Couch, just keep going through the pictures. I want you to see, look, look at the living room. I can't do that. Keep going. Okay. I, I want you to stop here for a second. What do you see? Just shout it out. A garage full of nothing. Cabinets, right? Cabinets, a garage full of nothing. I want you to watch what, and, and this isn't even done yet, right? This is just your dream. I want you to see the dream of this. Look, 
This is their kitchen once these are done. Isn't that awesome? Can we give some creativity a hand? Come on. Why, why do I show you all that? I show you all that. I called her yesterday. Like I was, I was finished prepping for my sermon. I was thinking, what am I going to do to get this point across? And I was like, oh, I'm calling Alyssa. She can turn stuff that nobody else wants into something beautiful. But, but it isn't that she can turn it into it. It's that she can see it. I want you to catch that. It's that she can look at that piece and see the potential of what it can be. Okay, that's the point. A, 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 what, it, what it can do, how it can transform her space, how it can become something. And artists do this all the time with a blank canvas and some paint. Or uh, notes. Anybody, anybody not know how to read music and when you see music, you're like, I'm lost. Yeah, okay. You, you, but, but there are people who can see that and it becomes something beautiful. It becomes something amazing. I believe that's a gift from God. Here's what else I believe. I believe that God for each one of us wants us to begin to see other people and situations that way. That when they're showing us their worst, when it seems like things can't get any better, that we would look at them and choose to trust that God still has a plan for them and choose to forgive, choose to see something different. Now, if you have to leave early today, that's the gist of the message. I'm not giving you permission. I'm just saying. So let's see what God has to say about this and show us what he's got to say. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to John 21. And just camp there for a second. I'm going to give you a little bit of context and then we're going to start to read. It is going to be on the screen today. Uh, So if you don't have your Bibles or you don't want to open up to it, you just want to read it up there, you can do that. But I want to give you a little context. So uh, here's what what goes on. John chapter 21 is uh, a pretty cool scripture. But we got to understand what happened to get us there before we get there. So... When we, a few weeks ago, we talked about conviction number five, which was coach kingdom replication. And when we did that, we talked about Jesus washing the disciples' feet. I told you about my grandmother and how she always kept her feet clean. Some of y'all were really nervous because you thought I was going to have you come up and I was going to wash feet or make you wash feet. That ain't what happened. On Wednesday night, we continued the theme of that and we took our shoes off and came to Jesus like we were home. Okay, and so some of you are here for that. And uh, we're going to go back to that day, that moment when that happened, and look at something else that happened. That same night after he washed their feet, Jesus tells his disciples he's got to go somewhere, that he's going to be going away. Okay, that it's, that it's almost time for him to go, and, and that they've got to love each other. Okay, he basically tells them, look, I'm leaving and you have to be there for each other. You have to begin to see each other as if you are, in, as if you were, these brothers are irreplaceable. They can't be replaced in your life as if they matter so much that you're going to do anything for them. You're going to be there for them. You have to love each other. He says it this way, just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Now, Peter, known for putting his foot in his mouth, okay? 
Peter, one of the disciples that Jesus renames from Simon to Peter. Peter means what? Anybody remember? Rock, right? The rock gets up and as always, listening intently to what Jesus says, completely ignores the statement and asks Jesus where he's going and tells him that he's going to go with him. He's so convinced of this that he even says, in fact, I'm ready to die for you. I want you to think about that. Because Jesus <laughs> looks at Peter in this moment. He says, Peter, 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 die for me. Die for me? Let me tell you something, Peter. You got to go back and read this because you're getting the Josh Krause version. Okay? Jesus says, let me tell you something. By the time tomorrow morning comes, you're going to have denied me three times. Peter, you're not ready to die for me. You're not ready to go with me. In fact, as much as I love you and I know you love me, you're going to tell people that you don't even know who I am. You're going to show me, Jesus says, you're, Peter, you're going to show me the ugliest side of you. You're going to show me the worst part of you. I want you to keep that in mind. Jesus is telling Peter this is going to happen. And you know Peter. Peter's like, nah, Jesus. I would never do that. And Jesus is like, okay. You're not ready. You're going to show me the ugliest part of you. Guess what happens? Jump ahead a few chapters. That's John chapter 13. You can go back and read it. Jot it down a note. Go back and read it. And for our purposes, we're going to jump ahead to John chapter 18. Jesus is betrayed and arrested in this chapter. And just as Jesus predicted, Peter does what? Denies him. Okay? He denies him. First in, in verses 15 through 18. And then two other times in verses 25 through 27. Two verses and he denies him twice. Okay? One chapter, three times, just like Jesus said. And Jesus said, by the time the rooster crows in the morning, by the time you hear the rooster crow, you're going to have denied me three times. Guess what happens at the end of the third time? The rooster crows. And immediately Peter's brought back to that moment that Jesus said, you're going to deny me three times. Peter is showing the worst. Okay? Now here's what happens. Jesus is then crucified and buried. Three days later, he rises from the dead. This is why we celebrate Easter. The life-size bunny is cool, but even he knows Jesus' resurrection is the whole reason for this holiday. Jesus defeats death, hell, and the grave, the last enemy of man, and makes a couple of appearances to his disciples and others. And, and I don't want to speed past the, I don't want to speed past these denials, though. They're important to our story today. Have you ever trusted someone only to have them rip that trust up into shreds and stomp on it? Anybody ever been there? I want you to connect with this today because if you don't connect with this, you're not going to choose kingdom trust. Anybody ever been there? Okay, just making sure. Rip up that trust, throw it on the ground, stomp on it, and laugh while they're doing it. Peter had seen Jesus do amazing things, including bringing Lazarus back from the dead. Yet fear, anxiety, and a list of other things causes him to violently disrupt his story with Jesus. 
violently. Peter's like, I don't know that man. I don't know what you're talking about. Jesus is dying on the cross. And Peter's saying, I don't even know who he is. I've never been with that man. I've never heard that man, never seen that man. I have nothing to do with that guy. He's showing Jesus his worst in Jesus' worst moments. He's seen all these amazing things, yet here we are. Today I want to look at Jesus' response to Peter's broken trust. You see, being citizens of the kingdom demands that we do things differently. If we're going to go be church in a world that needs the church, we're going to have to do things differently. Today's conviction is that we choose kingdom trust, and Jesus is going to give us a master class in what that means in John chapter 21. So let's get into the word today. John chapter 21, verse 1 says, Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. Now, all this other stuff has happened. Jesus has died. Peter has denied him. Jesus has rose again. He's made an appearance to the disciples. Jesus has been showing up all around the area, and his disciples have seen him. And now he's going to come back, and one, one more time he's going to show up to them at the Sea of Galilee. And John says, this is how it happened. Okay? Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples that we don't even know, they're not going to name, were hanging out. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. Okay, anybody, ever, anybody like fishing? Right, these guys love to fish. And so when Peter was like, I'm going fishing, the guys were like, let's go. Okay. And so this was a pivotal moment. And I'm not convinced that Peter was in the wrong to go back to fishing here. They were in Galilee because Jesus had told them to go there and wait. But he didn't really tell them what to do. So Peter, being Peter, just makes it up as he goes. Peter's going to do this until until we read in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit comes. And now all of a sudden he's going to be led by the Holy Spirit. Until then, he heard Jesus say, go back to Galilee. He's going to go back to Galilee. He's sitting around with the guys. The guys are bored. He's bored. He says... I'm going fishing. I can make some money today. Okay. He goes to his boat. He casts out. He goes fishing. A bunch of the guys go with him. However, this was a pivotal moment. It would have been easy for them to decide in this moment that fishing for fish was their purpose and their reason. But remember, Jesus had said something different to them. Jesus had said, I'll make you fishers of men. If you've been here for this series, you've heard that about three times now in different contexts. Jesus says, you're not going to be fishers for fish. You're going to be fishers of men. You're going to go after people for me. So after denying Jesus and then seeing him raised from the dead, you got to think he was probably upset with himself and just trying to get away from it all. So he runs to the boat. He runs to the boat And he starts to fish. So the guys say, we will keep reading. The guys say, we'll come too. They all said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. Anybody understand the frustration? Caught nothing. We ain't eating. We ain't making money. We wasting time. Now, whether their motives were good or bad, that night they caught nothing. It was a disappointing night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. I want you to see this. I need you to imagine this moment. So Jesus has walked down. He's at the beach. They're out in the water a little bit, and he's standing there. 
Okay, They can't really make out who it was, but they can see that somebody was there. And Jesus stands on the shore and he hollers out, Fellas, have you caught any fish? Now, y'all know Jesus knew they ain't caught no fish, right? I want you just listen. I want you to understand. Jesus knew they ain't catch no fish, okay? But Jesus is trying to show them who he is, right? He's trying to get them to understand. So they yell back, no, not, not no. <laughs> they go, no, we ain't catch no fish, what do you think? You think we'd have a, you, wouldn't we have smiles on our face if we caught fish? Don't you think we'd be back there if we had a boat full of fish? No, we ain't catch no fish. Why are you asking? It's interesting to me here, and this is the first thing we see. If you're taking notes, you're going to want to write this down. The first thing we see about choosing kingdom trust, which is what Jesus is about. He's starting this process. Jesus shows up in the moment. Jesus shows up in the moment. Peter is back to fishing. He's beating himself up over what happened. Jesus has now showed himself to him. And he's excited that Jesus is back. He's excited that Jesus is alive and that he rose from the dead. But there's this thing lingering over him where he denied Christ. Where he denied knowing Jesus while Jesus was hanging on the cross. You know those odd family dinners when nobody wants to talk about what needs to be talked about? Jesus showing up was this moment, okay? But here's the thing about Jesus. Jesus isn't afraid to face moments. He's not afraid to come into conversations. He's not afraid to bring correction. He's not afraid to bring grace, mercy, love. He's not afraid to forgive because, by the way, he stretched out his arms on a cross and forgave the people who nailed him to it. He's not afraid of approaching those situations like we are. Sometimes we're afraid of opening up a can of worms, Right, we'll just let it be, but it's festering. We don't show up, and then we stop showing up to family reunions. Then we stop going out with friends. Then we stop talking to our friends, and all of a sudden, they're not friends anymore. All of a sudden, there are no moments where we're together. There's nothing that happens. Eventually, we stop going to the same church because we can't sit 20 feet away from each other without thinking about how much they owe me an apology. They need to talk to me. They need to come. Jesus didn't do any of that. He walks out on the shore. He shows up in the moment. He says, you guys catch any fish? Now, he might have been poking them with a stick a little bit. Right? He might have been trying to get a response from them. But at least he shows up. He shows up in the moment. The previous three appearances in John's gospel were unexpected, and this one was too. Jesus showed up at their work. He was interested in their life. He wasn't going to let Peter just go back to fishing and fall back into who he used to be. Jesus had renamed this man, and this man accepted that name immediately. Peter was important to Jesus. The relationship that he had with Peter was important. And so Jesus goes out on the shore, and he begins the process by simply showing up. Choosing kingdom trust. And the first lesson is that we have to show up. We don't get to not show up when someone has hurt us. 
We don't get to not have the conversation. We don't get to to just act like they don't exist and let it fester and let it become something. It isn't the way the kingdom works. It isn't the way we're supposed to deal with things. I can't just stay mad at someone for the rest of my life because eternity is coming for them and for me. And guess what? Jesus is just funny enough to put your mansions beside each other. Y'all missed a great opportunity there. That was the best joke I have all day. And y'all missed it. You see, if Jesus doesn't show up, none of what is about to happen happens. No mercy, no grace, no love, no restoration. No new story. No new story for Peter. He's got to live the rest of his life. With the shame of that denial. With the rift between him and Christ if Jesus doesn't show up. And can I tell you something? If you don't show up, if you don't begin the process of love and mercy and grace that brings you to restoration, you're going to spend the rest of your life not knowing what that new story could be. The rest of your life mad at that person. The rest of your life giving up on that person and your relationship with that person. The rest of your life deciding that they are not worth it. You have to show up. That's what Jesus did. This isn't me. This is him. You don't like it? Take it up with him. This is his story. But he's restoring Peter. Let's keep reading. First thing he did was show up. So after he asked him if they caught any fish, they said, no, Jesus says, throw out your net on the other side of the boat and you'll get some. Let me tell you a secret. There were not more fish on the other side of that boat until Jesus said that. I don't know if they swam there. I don't know if they just popped into existence. I don't know what happened, but I know that there were not fish on either side of that boat They weren't catching anything. These guys were professional fishermen. They weren't catching a thing all night long. Jesus speaks it because he shows up. And things begin to happen when we show up. When we show up with Jesus, they really begin to start happening. When we show up with the right attitude, with the right heart, with the right mind, with the right guidance from the Holy Spirit, things begin to happen. Jesus shows up. He says, put your nets out on the other side. And they don't even argue, which is kind of weird. Okay, except that this has happened before. This has happened before. Jesus is trying to show them who he is. He's trying to to say, hey, I'm out here on the shore. It's time to come in and we got to have a talk. Anybody ever had a come to Jesus moment? You want to know where that comes from? In my opinion, it comes from right here. Jesus is telling him, it's time to have, Peter, it's time to have a come to Jesus moment. Shows up and it's time. He says, throw out your net on the other side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. By the way, the disciple that Jesus loved is the same guy that's writing it. And he's a little bit into himself. Okay, him and Peter got a little competition going on. And so he always says he's the disciple Jesus loved when he's talking about Peter. Anytime Peter's in the story and John's in the story, this is what he says. The disciple Jesus loved. Never calls himself John. The disciple Jesus loved. Okay? 
So it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that, it was the Lord. He put on his tunic, for he had stripped stripped it for work, okay? Because they were out there, it was hot, they'd been rowing the boat, they'd been trying to catch fish, and they, they, they didn't wear all of their clothes, but they would never be in front of their master, their rabbi, their teacher, without being fully clothed. So he throws on his clothes, and he jumps out of the boat. Now, I have a theory here. I think Peter thought maybe he was going to walk on the water and not get wet, right? And I love the fact that he hits the water, and it doesn't phase him that he didn't walk on it. He just starts swimming. This, that's a sermon for another day, okay? But sometimes we're not going to walk on water, and we're going to have to work and push through and swim through it, all right? Sermon for another day. Somebody remind me about that. I want to preach that one day. Okay, but we're not going to go there today. He jumps into the water and heads to the shore. The other stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore for there were about 100 yards from shore. They were about 100 yards out. Peter's like, I'm out, guys. I'm leaving it. This is my Jesus. I got to go. This is my moment. He's calling on me. He's telling me to come on, come to Jesus moment. He jumps out of the boat and he swims to Jesus. The others are stuck with the boat. That's Peter. That's his MO. It is what it is. My note takers, I want you to write this down. You ready? Jesus shepherds, he doesn't just show up, Jesus shepherds in the moment. What do I mean by that? Well, notice that Jesus gives them some direction and leads them. This has happened before. It's kind of an inside joke with the disciples. He doesn't show up scolding them, but he shows up shepherding them. We have to be willing to shepherd the moment when we're choosing kingdom trust. What does that mean? It means that we have to be willing to not just show up, but we've got to be willing to make the first move. If you're going to choose kingdom trust, you're going to have to be the one to extend the olive branch because other people might not do it. Jesus was the one who died on the tree. Jesus was the one that was denied by Peter. Yet he's the one who reaches out. He's the one who shows up. He's the one who shepherds the moment. You might say, well, I'm not a pastor. What do you mean? I'm not talking about pastors. I'm talking about understanding that the moment where you choose kingdom trust is not about what the other person does. It's about what you do. You have to shepherd that moment. You have to treat it with the, with the level of intention that it deserves. This means being the one who will leave the level 99, anger, hurt, and pain, that high issues that you have to go chase after and find the one mercy, grace, and love. To change it around. To no matter how bad that thing hurts, no matter how bad it seems, to understand that mercy, grace, and love are what bring restoration. You have to shepherd that. Jesus was reminding them of a good time, a time when things were okay. He was reminding Peter that the sum of his life is not the denials of that day. He was shepherding them. When you choose kingdom trust, you have to be willing to shepherd the moment, bring mercy, bring grace, and bring love into this tense moment. Let's see what happens next. Jesus models choosing kingdom trust. Verse 9. When they got there... I love this. They found breakfast waiting for them. They spent all night catching fish. They just brought in this large haul of fish. And somehow, Jesus is now cooking fish. Now, it's not the same fish that they, that they brought in. We know that because here in just a minute, he's going to tell them, go get some fish and bring to the fire. We'll make a little extra. Okay? And so what he does is he's, he's already got breakfast cooking. Fish cooking over a, a charcoal fire and some bread. 
Where do you get the bread from? Who knows? It's Jesus. Who cares? I'm going to eat it. I like bread. Okay? Then he says to them in verse 10, bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Verse 12, now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. It says this was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. The third thing we see when Jesus chooses kingdom trust is he doesn't just show up in the moment. He doesn't just shepherd in the moment. He serves in the moment. Anybody really want to serve the person that hurt you? I mean, I'm not talking about serving them with papers. I'm not talking about serving them a knuckle sandwich. I'm talking about serving them. When Jesus shows up and he's going to have this hard conversation with Peter who denied him, when Peter showed him his worst, now Jesus is going to say, nope, we got to choose kingdom trust here. I'm going to come back to Peter. And he sets down, he starts a fire, he cooks a fish for him, he cooks some bread for him, and he says, come and eat with me. We need to watch how beautiful Jesus is. He's a master at this. We don't like this because we want to stay mad at people. We want to stay upset with people. But I think about this and, and just hear my heart. Most of us are not, are not mad at someone for something as bad as Jesus and Peter. Most of us are upset because somebody looked at us the wrong way or said something we didn't like or took something or, you know. And in the grand scheme of life, while that thing matters and we've got to work through it, many times the issues are not as big as we make them. Jesus comes and serves his disciples, serves Peter of all people in the moment. They noticed when they came, not Jesus, the suffering Jesus, not Jesus, the risen Jesus, but the humble servant Jesus. He took the trouble to prepare a fire, cook the food for his disciples. The order of events shows that Jesus had the food before they brought the fish in. and He tells them to come eat breakfast, to being a servant. He prepared breakfast for his disciples, including Peter who denied him and still hasn't apologized, still hasn't really brought it up. We have to be willing to serve those who have not shown us their best. Choose kingdom trust. This is a hard conviction. Servanthood is not servanthood if it's contingent on others serving me first. And so Jesus models this. He shows them. He tells them to come and eat. He tells them it's time to sit down and talk. I want you to imagine the moment. Because it's this beautiful moment. And it's about to be a hard conversation. But it's this beautiful moment right now. After breakfast. Verse 15. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these?
And all of the air in the area is gone now. The disciples aren't breathing. Nobody's, everybody's attentive. Everybody's listening. Jesus has now brought up the thing. He has showed up. He has shepherded the moment. He has served in the moment. And he brings up the thing. And watch what, watch what, here's another point. He doesn't call him Peter. He calls him Simon. We'll make a point about that here in just a minute. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question. Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. I want to stop here. Because the fourth thing we see in this master class is that Jesus secures in the moment. You ever just felt like somebody is your security? Like somebody having somebody there beside you is all that you need. You don't need them to talk. You don't need them to say anything. You don't need them to do anything. You just need them right there with you. Jesus is reminding Peter that he is going to show him mercy and love. Now, it's important to know this. Jesus asked Peter a different question than Peter answers. We have one word for love, and it's just love. Like, right? I love my wife. I love my kids. I love my mom. I love you. I love Jesus. But we understand there are nuances to that love, right? It would be weird if I told Owen that I loved him the same way that I love my wife, right? I'm just made, it would be weird, right? Everybody in agreement with that? I do love Owen, but it would be weird for me to tell him that I love him the same way that I love my wife. See, they had different words for love. And Jesus uses a word here that you've probably all heard. It's the word agape. He begins by asking a simple question. Do you love me? He says, do you love me? Now, agape means, do you love me uh, in all in giving, uncaused, unselfish love? Do you love me unconditional? Right? That's what Jesus is asking. Do you love me unconditionally? Do you love me like I am the best thing ever? Do you love me like I'm the most important thing ever? Do you love me no matter what? And Peter answers back and he says, yes, I love you. And that's what we read. But he uses a different word. He uses the word for brotherly love. Jesus says, do you love me unconditionally? Do you love me more than anyone else, but more than life itself? Peter says, I love you like a friend. <gasps> Anybody ever been friend zoned? It's tough. But I want you to watch Jesus' reaction. He doesn't, he, doesn't, he, he doesn't yell at Peter. He doesn't beat Peter up. He just asks him again. And he uses the same word, Peter, do you agape me? Do you love me unconditionally, no matter what? Do you love me more than anything, more than life itself? And Peter says, Jesus, I love you like a brother. Jesus doesn't get mad. He doesn't beat Peter up. He doesn't yell at him. He doesn't say, that's unacceptable. You cannot be a disciple. I'm revoking your name. You're no longer the rock. We're going to call you something different, right? He doesn't do any of that. He just secures Peter in the moment. 
right? And he asked this simple question. Peter most likely was relieved to finally know how Jesus felt about his denial. And as scary as this conversation was, it was a secure place for Peter. It wasn't about Jesus pointing out all of Peter's flaws. When you get to the place where you're choosing kingdom trust with someone, it is not about you airing all of your grievances with them in a way that makes them feel like they're getting beat up. Secure them in that moment. Show mercy and grace and love. I'm not saying don't talk about the issue at hand because Jesus does talk about the issue at hand. But don't let it be something where you can fly off the handle. Where you get to say anything you want to say and they don't get to. When we choose kingdom trust, we need to secure others in the moment. There might be consequences of their actions, but we love them. When Jesus asked, do you agape me? Do you love me this way? He's saying, I love you this way. Do you love me this way? And Peter says, I love you like a brother. Now we kind of want to beat Peter up in this moment. But I think that Peter just didn't ever want to be in the situation that he was in before. I think he was looking back at the denial and saying, I can't honestly say that I love you that way. And I refuse to lie to you after all that. I refuse to be the one who's going to tell you I love you this way when I have not shown that, when I have not done that, when I have not been that. So Jesus secures in the moment, but it isn't all that he does. A third time, Jesus asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? This time Peter was hurt, it says, that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Now something strange happens here. Twice Jesus has said, do you love me? Do you agape me? Do you love me unconditionally? And Peter said, I love you like a brother. Okay, I love you like a brother, Peter says twice. And Jesus, maybe a little disappointed, still secures him in the moment, still says that I love you, still says this, and he asks him one final time. But if you read it in the original language, Jesus says, do you love me like a brother? This third time. He uses the word Peter's been using. Not agape, but phileo. I love you like a brother. And Jesus says, Jesus asks him in this third time, he says, Simon, son of John, do you phileo? Do you love me like a brother? And Peter says, yes, you know everything. You know that I love you. The last thing we see in choosing kingdom trust from Jesus is that Jesus settles in the moment. What do I mean by that? Jesus was looking for the agape love, the unconditional love. Peter says, I love you like a brother. And Jesus asked him again, do you love me unconditionally? Peter says, I love you like a brother. The third time, Jesus chooses to meet Peter where he is at. And Jesus says, do you phileo me? Do you love me like a brother? And Peter says, yes. I want you to see how Jesus came. Jesus didn't expect Peter just to rise up and be where he was in all this. He comes down and meets Peter right where he's at. 
We don't get to see this unless we read it in its original language. Because all we, we translate all those words love like, they don't, like they're all the same. And they're not. So when you read it in your English Bible, it's all the same. It's love, love, love. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? But when you read it in the original language, it's do you love me unconditionally? Do you love me unconditionally? And then the third time, do you love me like a brother? Jesus gives Peter grace in this moment. Okay? He gives Peter grace in this moment. He's shown him mercy. He's showing him grace. He's showing him love. And it's at this moment that Peter's restoration truly happens. Peter's going to grow. And he's going to preach one of the most incredible sermons after what happens in Acts chapter 2. After the Holy Spirit comes, Peter is going to preach. He's going to go on to lead the church. And if you ask him after that, do you love Jesus agape? Do you love Jesus unconditionally? He's going to tell you yes. And he's going to go to his death saying that. But in that moment, he wasn't ready to say it. Jesus, choosing kingdom trust, settled in and met Peter where he was. It's difficult for us when we choose kingdom trust. But if we go by Jesus' example, we got to show up in the moment. We've got to shepherd the moment. We've got to serve in the moment, secure in the moment, and settle in the moment. Jesus knew that his relationship with Peter was going to grow because of what happened this day. And he was okay with Peter saying, I love you like a brother. Because he knew that as their relationship continued to grow, Peter, the rock, okay, was going to love him unconditionally. When we choose kingdom trust, sometimes we're going to have to settle and meet people where they are. It's these things that lead us to forgiveness, that lead us to restoration. When we forgive someone, the ultimate goal is not just that we forgive them. The ultimate goal is restoration. That may look different depending on what happened. You heard me say earlier, there are some things that it would be dangerous for you to be back around those people. That's not what I'm talking about today. I'm talking about the things we hold on to that don't fall in that category. The things we hold on to that aren't like that. We sang a new song today that talked about stories. written said I've got stories I'll live to tell some of us have got some stories that need to be rewritten with some people in our life that we need to choose kingdom trust with we have a choice 
We started this day by reading Jesus' words to his disciples after washing their feet. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. This conviction is the hardest one I believe any of us are going to live out. Because it requires so much of us and so little of the other person. Because how they respond is between them and God. But I have a responsibility to forgiveness. Even if they don't respond the same way. Choosing kingdom trust is not a conviction of the world, it's a conviction of the kingdom. I wonder today if there's anybody like me that needs to bring a situation to God today, a person that you're not choosing kingdom trust with, a situation that you can't seem to push through allow the steps of Jesus here, the master teacher to impact and influence how you move forward. But would say, you know what? That's, it's just tough. I need the Holy Spirit's help. You bow your heads and close your eyes all across the room. It's just for a minute between you and God. I know what I'm talking about is hard and I don't expect it to be an immediate change and I don't think Jesus does but I wonder if there's anybody in the room would say to me pastor today I hear what you're saying and at minimum at very least I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to help me to begin the process there's someone in my life there's a situation in my life that I need to choose kingdom trust I need to see the best Lord I want the most creative being in all of history and all of eternity to help me see the beauty to help me see the best in someone and and here's the thing that may simply mean you start by just showing up in your prayer life for them and asking God to help you. Asking God to heal you. It may be as small as just raising your hand to say, God, I know it's there. And I know I struggle with it. Holy Spirit, I'm inviting you to help me here. Jesus gives us the steps. He was the master at it. I recognize that there are people in the room that aren't ready to show up. But you know the situation is there and you'd say to God today, the conviction of choosing kingdom trust is important. And I simply want you to start today. Heads bowed and eyes closed. If that's you, I want you just to slip up your hand. Keep them up for a minute. You're not alone. There's a ton of people in the room with hands up. Anybody else? 
Come on, I need, I'm, I'm taking the first step by raising my hand. I'm, I'm gonna choose kingdom trust. All right, you can put them back down. Now everybody look at me and I want you to hear this. We have our lives to go be church, our entire lives. These things don't change today. They begin today. This is bigger than me just making a, flipping a switch. This is something that's happening inside of me. If you raised your hand, you took the first step to say, I need a change inside of me so that I can make the steps that Jesus made. Those might look different than what Jesus did, but he gave us a model. choose kingdom trust. If you raised your hand, I just want to pray for you today. Can we stand all across the room? Everybody, go ahead and stand. If you didn't raise your hand, but you should have, then assume this prayer is for you. If you did raise your hand, begin just you, you and God right now. You can do it out loud or internally. Just ask Jesus, ask the Holy Spirit to give you strength to begin this. This is not a journey for the faint of heart. Choosing kingdom trust is a difficult thing to do because once you do it, you'll never want to stop. And it is always hard, but it's so freeing. Jesus, for every person who raised their hand today and those that maybe didn't but know, Lord God, right now that they should have and think that they should have, Father, I pray that you would give them the strength, Holy Spirit, walk with them to begin this process to begin to choose kingdom trust. Now, Father, that this would become a conviction of our lives, a conviction of what it means to be the church, that we choose trust, Father. I know that there are severities of what that looks like and severities of what people can do to break our trust. And Father, the truth is, I understand that. And I know that, that there are situations that won't play out the same way. And that's okay. But Holy Spirit, I believe you're the most creative thing in all of the universe and you can see beauty in the worst. You can see the best in the worst of others. And so Father, help us to begin to see the best in that situation, in those people. Lord, begin to heal relationships, situations and circumstances that have broken people. Father, so many of us with with things that have just broken us. Father, heal it. Bring wholeness to it. Bring wholeness like you did to Peter in that moment. And Jesus, help us to be like you and choose kingdom trust. And while it might look different, it might be different, Father, we know that it's a conviction of your kingdom. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and we worship you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. Don't forget to visit us at LifeChurchROA on Instagram and Facebook for updates, service times, and ways to get involved. If you made a decision to follow Jesus today, we would love to partner with you on your next steps. Visit LifeChurchROA.org slash Jesus to learn more. We love you and we can't wait to see you soon.